In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You are advised that any view expressed by the host or their guest are not necessarily the views of the owners or management of Toginet Radio, Togi Entertainment, or the Owners Group, Inc. Welcome to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney. Vivian is here to talk to you, to encourage you, and to show you how she had a successful homeschooling experience with her Wildflower Academy, and that her kids turned out great, and that with God's help, you can create the same experience she did. From her beginnings in Hostert, West Germany, to Dallas, it's been quite a journey, and her abilities to adapt, survive, and thrive are what make her unique in homeschooling. So have your pen and paper ready. It's The Sociable Homeschooler. And now, here's your host, Vivian McNinney. Train a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he will not turn from it. Proverbs 22.6. Wise counsel, not only for homeschooling parents, but for all parents alike, actually. I know that some of the lessons I learned as a child have stayed with me all my life. Some I've shirked, like the old wives' tales about spiders and black cats. Others I still respect, like practice what you preach. But today, because I'm feeling a wee bit sensitive, having turned another year older, the word old in this verse jumps out at me. What does the writer of Proverbs mean by old? We all know from experience that invariably one of our children, and I'm being generous here, challenges us in some way during our lives. Do they rebel when they're young and testing the waters and then when they get old, about 22 or so, straighten up? Or does old mean not in my lifetime? Old aside, the reassurance I get from this verse is the confident way in which it's worded. Train a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not turn from it. No ifs or maybes. A command followed by a definite result. Build a firm foundation on the word, and your children will all benefit, whether you think so now or not. God will not let them get away. Good afternoon. Welcome to The Sociable Homeschooler. I'm your host, Vivian McNenny. I have a great show for you today. We're going to be talking about my rigorous upbringing and the dependence of our children, even in their 20s. We'll be chatting to Brooke Benoit, second-generational homeschooler living in Morocco. And, of course, you'll be getting the latest news from the McNenny Homestead. So grab your tea and sit down. Happy New Month. I'm not going to say it. Let's just keep joyfully zipping through those days and build some lovely memories quickly. I'm standing in swirling snow as I speak, and because you can't see me, no one's going to dispute my claim because it is February, and most of you are familiar and comfortable with snow at this time of the year. That I can be outside is a feat of pure brilliance on the part of the digital industry. I have no idea how it works, and I don't need to know for it to work. I just know I'm amazed and grateful and privileged to be able to broadcast my show on Togginet Radio anywhere I want to at a regular time each week and speak about my favourite topic, homeschooling, with no interruptions or disputes. A whole me hour. A gift. Thank you, John and Jill. I appreciate you both. You're right up there with the digital man. Thanks also, Eric and Kerry. Now... I am this week going to talk about homeschooling for a tad. I'm guessing that about 97% of the population view us as an overprotective lot. And I'm thinking that may have been just a teeny weeny part of the motivation for me to consider and then decide to homeschool. Um, I wanted to protect myself 
banned my children from adults criticising and perhaps even gloating over what my child could or could not do. I'm a self-confessed non-competitor. But as I've grown older with my children, I realise that I'm really competitive, only not in the sports and game states, but in the image factor. I have an image to maintain, and in simple English, it's called a stiff upper lip. What does this mean exactly? Well, it means not letting anyone see how you really feel about something. I remember an incident that clarified this for me when my OBGYN of four years called to confirm the sex of my third child after an amniocentesis. It's a girl, he said excitedly. My first two had been boys. Oh, good, I replied over the phone of my corner executive office at Ticketmaster. Oh, good, he said. Oh, good, after two boys, that's it. I heard him shout out to his nurses. She said, oh, good, that's about as excited I've ever heard Vivian get about anything. I noted to myself that he was doing enough shouting for the two of us. Anyone would think he was the manufacturer of my brand new baby girl. My colleagues in the office looked at me, waiting for me to hang up so that we could resume our meeting, and I obliged. I was only three months along, and I wasn't going to let the cat out of the bag for another two. Did I mention I also play bridge and poker? When my daughter, the one of the amniocentesis fame, was later, according to a teacher who had known her all of three days, unable to colour a picture or cut a straight line with stupid blunt scissors, I didn't stick around long enough to hear the corrective measures that could be taken. I wanted to get myself and her away from the negative forces that would drop hints to my perfect child and myself that we, and she, may not be as perfect as we liked to project. Call me a bluffer a denier, an unrealist, a fanaticist, but I prefer to be known as an optimistic or positive thinker. Why would anyone want to spend their lives focusing on what they or their children cannot do? Why put oneself into a position where parent-teacher conferences, to pull holes in one's children perhaps, on a regular basis are de rigueur, not me? My father used to say he was the only one allowed to find fault in his children. Here, here, I say from afar. Well, After that little rant, I guess it's the cold weather that gets me going. I'm going to go to my book. This week, we're starting a new chapter called Warming Up to Flexibility. And I look back at the regimented life I led as a child and young adult, both with my parents and the nuns at my boarding school. Creatures of habit are how I would describe my parents. They did their early parenting by the book, they told me. They wouldn't let anything go to chance didn't trust their instincts. My brother and I are probably better off for it. The steadiness of my father's job afforded them much financial security, and although the detailed desk work was brain-numbingly boring at times, he was rewarded with a much appreciated and secretly coveted pension today. The coveting I know about from the subversive comments passed by extended family members whenever they visited, they'd say things like, you're having your kitchen refitted again? Or... Can we have your old carpet? It's hardly had anywhere in town already. You're getting a new one. Or how many times is it you've been to America to visit your daughter, Kay? My parents, to their credit, were tolerant and generous. They paid, literally, for the jealousy. My mother disliked entertaining family in her home, so whenever they had a birthday, which occurred twice a year, or an anniversary, or when Christmas and Easter rolled around, they'd take everyone out to lunch or dinner. The others reciprocated in their homes much more economically. 
As children, my brother and I were rarely surprised by events going on in our house. If we were, it was usually by our grandmothers who'd show up on our doorstep unannounced. We knew exactly what we would be wearing each morning to school. Of course, it was a uniform. The clothes would be laid out in the dining room come kitchen the evening before, washed, ironed and fresh. We ate the same breakfast, a handful of cornflakes, a spoonful of sugar and a little milk, just enough to wet it, followed by two pieces of brown toast with butter and marmite or marmalade for Vincent, washed down by a cup or two of tea. We knew exactly what time to leave for school in order to arrive at precisely 9am. Our lunches would be waiting for us on the table at 12.30pm. We'd walk home from school for the one-hour break. At 4pm, I'd leave my school gates and go meet Vincent in the opposite direction on his way home from school. We'd arrive at our front door together at 4.15. Tea would be ready, usually baked beans on toast or scrambled eggs, the regular cups of tea and a piece of cake. Then we'd have our baths in precisely six inches of water, a swilling, not a soak. Once a week, mummy would wash our hair. She'd use a sachet of powdered shampoo dissolved in a beaker of cold water. Both of us had short hair, so one sachet was sufficient for the two of us. On Fridays, we'd receive our comics just before bedtime. They arrived in the house on Wednesday afternoon and were hidden under the sofa until Friday. Neither of us would dream of taking a sneak peek. That would ruin the Friday evening. My, my brother and I would spend 30 minutes reading each other's comics and then switch and settle down for the rest of the evening to slowly pour over our own. For many years, mine was Princess and Vincent's was Beano or an action comic of sorts. He changed his comic more often than I did. I liked the continuity of Princess. Daddy came home at an indeterminate hour each evening, depending on how much desk work he had had to catch up on. His desk was never ending, according to him. We may or may not see him until the next morning, depending on whether he'd had a good day at the office or not. My father would eat. My mother would keep him company. She'd usually eaten with us. I don't really remember. They'd enjoy their dessert together while watching some television before retiring to bed. When we went abroad, our routines underwent a disturbing metamorphosis. As my parents struggled to find us schools where we could slot ourselves into established schedules and breathe effortlessly through foreign days under the direction of others, my father's office hours were different but regular. They were called continental hours because he spent the afternoons at home during the heat of the day, returning to the office for a few hours in the evening. During the school holidays, we had parties almost every evening due to the heavy social activities of embassy life. When boarding school intruded, we never quite got back into the rhythm of a routine when we returned for our holidays twice a year. Our school schedules were interrupted and the embassy parents put their lives on hold while the children were home. To counterbalance this uncharacteristic lack of schedule at boarding, at boarding school, I encountered extreme routines. We knew what day it was by the meals being served, some kind of meat and two vegetables each day. The meat was indescribable and fatty. The potatoes, when boiled, were tasteless. When mashed, were lumpy and watery. The carrots were bitter. The cabbage was mushy. The peas were heavy and starchy. The cauliflower, ugh, was grey. We were served cold meats and pickled vegetables on Saturdays because the cooking nuns had that day off. Sometimes we'd get high tea on Sundays, which was always good. They'd break out all the stops, sausages and eggs, fresh pastries and bread and jam. We always had what we called 
resurrection pie on Thursdays, a combination of all the leftovers from the week thus far encased in pastry. We'd have fish on Fridays, of course. Occasionally, we'd be fortunate, we'd be fortunate enough to get canned ravioli. And yes, I say fortunate because there's not a lot they can do with a canned meal except open it up and warm it over. We'd race to the food tables when we discovered this meal. How sad is that? Most of the time I survived on tea time fare, which was unlimited quantities of white sliced bread and margarine, a disgusting butter substitute that was relatively easy to spread, but resembled the margarine of today, not at all. Um, on this, we would put strawberry jam and drink cups of hot tea. And as an aside here, strawberry jam is all we ever had to put on our bread. No cheese or anything like that. So, shame. So, I'm going on a break and I'll be right back. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. In today's business world, a helping hand or idea that doesn't come with an invoice is a treasured find. And if that happens to you, then you need to pay it forward to keep other entrepreneurs from making mistakes or getting a raw deal. It's called Paying It Forward with Josephine Girasi. Wednesday mornings at 10, 9 a.m. Central. Josephine is going to have the guests describe their accomplishments, the lessons they've learned, both good and bad, and then sharing those pieces of knowledge as we create a movement of Paying It Forward. For more information about Josephine, her business, and background, you can go to MyMomKnowsBest.com. Josephine Girasi has always been a problem solver. She saw this need and has turned it into a movement. It's Paying It Forward with tips, tools, and advice, and hard lessons learned. These pieces of knowledge can make a huge difference for you, your business, and others. So join us for Paying It Forward with Josephine Girasi, Wednesday mornings at 10 a.m., 9 a.m. Central, on toginet.com. Come learn with me as the show created as much for the host as the audience. Join host Danny Walker, Wednesdays at 11, noon Central, on toginet.com, as she invites you to get your boots on and walk through life's triumphs and troubles with her. Come learn with me as the beginning of a movement, a community filled with caring people who share information, allowing everyone to participate, gain, and grow. What works? What doesn't? Your host, Danny Walker, is a self-proclaimed student, not expert, and she'll share very candidly passions, perspectives, failures, her family's battle with illness, her restaurant, inspirations to keep being a wife, parent, and more, all the while including industry experts, disease survivors, and guests to add to the mix. For more on Danny and her show, go to dannywalker.com, D-A-N-I walker.com. If you've ever searched high and low to find answers to sickness, disease, and debt, come learn with me and let's get our questions answered together. Come learn with me with host Danny Walker, Wednesdays at 11, noon central on toginet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginet. And now back to your host, Vivian McNenny. 
Well, I'm really excited. My guest this week is Brooke Benoit, who is a second generational homeschooler with decades of experience from both sides of the homeschooling divide. Brooke is a young woman who began homeschooling herself at the age of 15 and never looked back. A native Californian, Brooke currently lives with her family in Morocco, where she's an artist whose struggle for spiritual self-perfection is interrupted daily by an overwhelmingly beautiful world created by God that offers both distractions and inspiration. Did I mention she homeschools in the sultry, romantic city of Casablanca? Welcome, Brooke. Thank you. Hello. Hello. Well, tell us first what time it is. Uh, it's a little after 10 at night. Okay. How are you feeling? Did you have a good day? Uh, I did. I had a pretty good day, and uh, I'm good. I'm All the kids are in another room, so I'm not too distracted right now. <laughs> okay, so how many kids do you have? I have five. They're between the ages of 12 and 1. I have a 9, a 7, and a 4-year-old in between. Wow, you're busy. <laughs> All right, um... Let me ask you, you can do some of the talking. I'm just going to ask you a question and then you just go, okay? So let, tell me something about how you came to homeschool yourself. You said by the age of 15, you started to homeschool yourself. So tell us how that happened. Hello, Brooke, did you hear okay. me? I'm sorry, you're cutting out just a little bit. Okay. Um, I think you're asking okay. me about my homeschooling myself when I was 15. That's right. And so... That's I'll just ramble on, and, and you can try to interrupt me if you can. All right. Um, basically, what happened is I started high school, 10th grade. That's what they did in our school district. So I was about almost 15. And um, after just a couple months of it, I... Okay, Carrie, I can't hear her anymore. Okay. All right. Well, um, I'm at the moment I'm talking to um, Brooke in Morocco. We seem to have um, lost her sound for the moment. So I'm going to carry on and finish off here with my um, my book excerpt that I had started. I've just got a little bit more to carry on and remember that we were in a, a routine of food. So when it wasn't mealtime, we always knew what we were doing and how long we had to endure it. Everything was on a schedule. We had no free time. We knew when to polish our shoes, iron our shirts, write our letters home, listen to music, play a game, go horseback riding, take a walk, have a bath, visit the tuck shop, read for pleasure, practice the piano, change our sheets, do our homework, fall asleep, wake back up again, wear our winter clothes, wear our summer clothes, wear our own clothes. Heaven help anyone who needed to visit the toilet when a break wasn't scheduled. Thus, our minds and bodies became regimented. Brooke, can you hear me? Hello, Brooke. Nope, sounds as though Brooke's gone. All right. Well, the weather has been absolutely phenomenal. And I'm not talking about beautiful. I'm talking about snow. For the first time the, since I can remember, and I have been here for a long time, schools and colleges have been closed for the whole week while they went to school on Monday. 
and it was quite warm. It was like 70 degrees. And then we woke up on Tuesday and an ice storm had hit. And so we didn't actually have pretty snow or anything like that. It was just all ice and frost all over the place. And the roads were treacherous. And we got a message saying the college was closed. And then progressively through the week, the college was closed on Wednesday and Thursday and um, Friday and tomorrow. And have I got Brooke back? Hello, yes, Brooke. I'm here. I'm sorry about that. Oh, that's all right. Hello, so, can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. So continue with um, telling us you said you were in your first year in high school. Um, yeah, and I just um, I just really hated it, and I um, I was cutting a lot only two months into to school. And so I went home one day and told my mom that I wasn't going to do it anymore, which really freaked her out. Um, but I was really committed to going to college. I just wanted to go to college. I wanted to, to just skip the whole high school thing and go to college. And so it turned out that our neighbor worked with, um, with at-risk kids. He was a teacher, and they had an alternative ed program, which was essentially home work and um, do it over the week and return it. Mm-hmm. And so I was going to do that for a couple years, um, but then it turned out that California had um, a testing out option at that time. So as soon as I turned 15 and a half, um, I was able to take the test and I passed it and I started going to JC. And so um, it wasn't until very recently that I realized that I essentially I homeschooled myself. Mm-hmm. So JC, is that a oh junior college? Okay, got it. Got it. All right, so once your parents realized that you were serious about this, were they supportive? Yeah, I'm sorry. That's junior college. And, yeah. Um, so were your parents supportive? All right, it seems as though we've lost um, Brooke again, so... Anyway, I was talking about um, the colleges being closed, and actually Malia, my youngest daughter, is in a play, and um, they had just cast it the week before and started um, serious rehearsals. They did all the singing the week before, and then this week they were going to do all the dance, and, of course, she was cast as one of the dancers. And um, so I think they got to dance on Monday, and then on Tuesday and Wednesday, Thursday and Friday and obviously, you know, sort of for the rest of this week they've had no dancing and as the show creeps closer and closer to opening they've got about four weeks but I mean they've lost a whole week and um, so Malia's been told, you know, you just keep practicing your dance and listen to the music the best you can and okay, do we have Brooke back? Yeah, Hello, I'm Brooke. sorry, I can hear you Okay, yes. it's just, yes, we can't hear you so that's alright so, um, were your parents supportive once they realized that you were serious about this? Um, I, yes, I would say definitely. I mean, my mom, um, you know, here I am 15 and a half years old going to junior college and, um, she would drive, I think it was like a half hour drive or something to get me there and, um, to pick me up in the afternoon and, uh, so she was she was really supportive, and I ended up taking a pretty unconventional route with that as well. It took me quite a while to get my degree, and I think I've gone to more colleges than Sarah Palin, Palin has, but um, <laughs> eventually I did get my degree, and she was very supportive. Well, good. And so your degree was in art? You're an artist? Is that right? Uh, 
Yeah, I, I almost finished a degree um, in fine art from the San Francisco Art Institute. And um, then instead, I just recently finished a degree in rhetoric and English from the University of Alaska in Anchorage. Oh, really? Okay, which so, is, I mean... Which is also... Go ahead. Oh, I was saying, which is also, you know, an art form. It is, it is. It's, it's a way of um, using your words produ- productively. Yes, yes, carefully which is something that I'm very keen on. Um, So as a homeschooler or as an unschooler, you um, didn't lose your desire to learn, which I think some people, you know, sort of get really worried that if their children don't want to go to school anymore, it means, oh, that's the end. They're just not going to want to learn anything. And it sounds as though it's kind of opened up for you um, different ways to learn. Um. For me to continue, that's um, that's one of the things about unschooling that is really fabulous. That um, you're just constantly learning. You just mm-hmm. you know because basically our curriculum is that I just foster my kids' interests. So whatever it is that they're interested in, whether or not I truly am, I um, I act excited about it, mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, you know I just end up learning about a lot different things and. Um, Mostly it is really enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Sometimes my eyes glaze over a little bit, but mostly um, I do really enjoy it. So what is something, uh, for example, that one of your children really likes to do? Um, well, my eldest is really into electricity and electronics right now and um, alternative energy sources and um, they're all into designing games, which I'm not really much of a game person, but I've played a lot of games over the last few weeks. And I'm starting to, to get into them a little bit. Um, so they're designing on paper, three-dimensional, and on the computer now. And um, the designing aspect is always fun for me, of course. And we can get really heady and go off into a lot of fantasy and stuff and imagination with that. And... Um, and that's that's fun. And then also to bring them back and be realistic and to actually make three-dimensional things mm-hmm. from, you know, our dreams. Um, so while you're in Morocco, are you having a problem finding um, resources or, or what are you doing about that? Do you connect with America if you, if you want, you know, books or anything like that? How does that work? Well, um, so far we haven't run into that, you know, with... Um, six tickets we had nearly a ton of luggage allotment and a lot of that was the kids stuff mm-hmm. we didn't bring a lot of clothes clothing is something you know you can replace mm-hmm. um pretty readily so we did bring a lot of books electronics mm-hmm. um legos mm-hmm. just a lot of craft supplies and stuff mm-hmm. and um so we haven't run up against that too much at some point you know my son's going to get tired of reading the same hardy boys over and over again so we will have to figure out how to get some more books in here but um but otherwise um not really and it's kind of fun to go out and try to find materials um that just becomes an adventure in its own you know that it, i mean it could be really frustrating but you know i'd rather just turn it into fun and yeah. so that's been kind of um fun thing to go do Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, I know when I lived abroad, we had like the consulate, and we had the embassies, and you know there were resources. There were a lot. There were a lot of English-speaking groups. Do you have that there? Um, we do, and I haven't 
really looked into that too much. There's an American library here that um, I believe is only open to Americans, which just honestly sounds kind of odd to me, but I haven't been over there yet, so I really shouldn't judge. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are um, various American groups and expat groups and stuff like that. Um, but, you know, with five kids, I am pretty busy. <laughs> so um, I haven't... I haven't well, we're going to go on a short break for about 90 seconds and um, we'll be back. Um, so join me after this break. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Mark Lipinski is coming to Toginet. It's Creative Mojo with Mark Lipinski, a live two-hour show Wednesday afternoon starting at 3, 2 central on toginet.com. Creative Mojo. It's fun, entertaining, informative, inspirational, and illuminating. Lipinski has worked on such shows as Oprah, The View, The Joan Rivers Show, and Ricky Lake. He's busy, but he's got the drive to share with Creative Mojo, dedicated to the modern crafter and crafting lifestyle. Dive into the info and enjoy everything from celebs to entertainment news to recipes, quilting and needlework, knitting, painting, woodworking, Christmas crafts, and so much more. This show boldly encourages you to discover and harness your own creative spirit by living creatively every day. For more on Mark and the show, check out MarkLipinski.com. Don't miss the fun. It's Creative Mojo with Mark Lipinski. Wednesday afternoon, starting at 3, 2 central on toginet.com. Get ready for the Not-So-Soccer Mom Tuesday afternoons at 1 Eastern, noon central on Toginet with Jill Hickey. You name it, from politics to pop culture to Jill's search for the perfect bronzer and chicken salad. The Not-So-Soccer Mom will weigh in on it all. The sentence, I have no opinion about that, is one that Jill has never uttered. Everybody in the early 90s, Jill finally decided to put her thoughts, opinions, mom advice, love of pop culture, hummus, and Starbucks, working out, cosmetic shopping, and politics into an actual website, and thus NotSoSoccerMom.com was born. Shortly after her fourth child, a boy, Jerome, now she's really got tons of topics to share with you. This is Laugh Out Loud Funny, and we're not kidding. What's a loud Nebraska girl who lived in Little Rock for many years and now is up in the Northeast doing, chronicling her opinions on everything? The week Wheels aren't off yet, but it's close. It's the Not-So-Soccer Bomb with Jill Hickey. Tuesday afternoons at 1 Eastern, noon Central on toginet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney. The show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginet. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. Well, hello, I'm back, and I'm talking to Brooke Benoit, who homeschools her children in Morocco. Yes, that's Morocco in North Africa. I'm sure there's a Morocco, Texas, a Morocco somewhere, but this is the real of Morocco. All right, Brooke, um, when you moved to Morocco a year ago, um, you were living with your family, I suppose, your in-laws. Um, how was that, and are you, um, you know, sort of relaxing more into that after you've been there a little bit longer? Um, well, we're still living with the in-laws, and um, I th- I think so. I think um, I would say 
we're way more into the um, adjusted stage. There's a sort of wave thing that happens. And, um, you know, it's interesting to find out recently that um, I keep asking what they think about the homeschooling because they just, you know, I I actually can't communicate with my mother-in-law and father-in-law. We play a lot of charades, but um, they speak to Shalhit, um, a a Berber language, and I I don't. So um, I don't actually communicate with Directly, everything is interpreted, mm-hmm. which means you get various interpretations depending on who is doing the interpreting. So it was just funny to find out recently that um, they had thought that we were just waiting to find the right school or to have the money to pay for school. Yeah, <laughs> but um, <laughs> they didn't really get that. No, they're going to be here all the time. The children are always home, <laughs> and so yeah. that was kind of funny out recently. But. Um, but I think they're adjusting. <laughs> well, I know in your one of your early blogs, you said you were on all the time and you'd be exhausted at the end of the day. Oh, yeah. No, I'm not definitely not doing that anymore. Good, good. But in um, the beginning, definitely. And also... Uh, I'm sorry, Vivian? Okay, no, I'm still here. I was going to let you finish, but the delay is, is a little bit difficult. So I'm going to ask you another question. Um, so what, what are the legalities of homeschooling in Morocco? Have you found that out yet? You know, I just asked yesterday because I thought you might ask and, um, I'm not entirely sure. Um, I think that schooling is not mandatory here. There's still, um, very high rates of illiteracy and, um, there's a lot of, um, large populations still living rurally where they don't even have access to schools. And so I'm pretty sure that school is not mandatory. Okay. And so have you, do you know anybody else who is homeschooling? Um, I don't, I, I do know other people around the world who are homeschooling, um, in Egypt and in Yemen, um, and other places. But, um, I did, I'm on an international homeschool group and I did find a post by someone who said that they're in Morocco, but I haven't contacted them yet. And so, um, it, it would be interesting to find other homeschoolers, but as of yet, I, I don't know anyone else who's doing it here. So was Morocco your first venture abroad or have you been abroad before? Uh, we lived here for a year previously, about six or seven years ago. Uh, but prior than that, no, I haven't. So the culture shock, are you getting, are you getting used to that? Are you enjoying the life in Morocco? Uh, I really, I'm really enjoying it. Um, and I would say the culture shock is, um, it's something that never really goes away. Just when you think you have the handle on it, it's, you know, something else comes up. It's sort of that waves thing. Mm -hmm. And so, um, it's something you, you never, well, you, you know, this, it's something you never fully penetrate. You can just Mm -hmm. never fully understand. And that's actually one of the, the beauties I think of being abroad is that, um, you just sort of have to learn to roll with things. You have to accept things as at face value and, and just let a lot of things go, you know, cause you just can't understand. You can't. Mm-hmm. Um, and you take, well, I'm just looking at how many children you have and the ages of your children. Um, are you able to go out a lot? I mean, do you have a car? I know this sounds awful, but I know I went to Morocco when I lived in Spain to get my visa stamped for another six months. And so I spent the day over there and, um, it was so different. <laughs> Yeah, from Spain. I'm I'm actually supposed to do that. I'm supposed to go do the um, the boat to Spain to get my visa stamped. So, inshallah, I'll do that sooner than later. But um, we don't have a car, and that I think is one of the biggest um, 
the biggest differences for us. I mean, we moved here from Anchorage, Alaska, where we were very car-reliant um, suburbanites, you know, in and out of the car all day, every day. And here, we don't have a car, very urban, walk to everything, which um, I've always done previously as a single person, as an only child. I grew up... Um, you know, in city environments. Um, but with kids, it's, it's pretty different. So I, I normally only, and the taxis here, you can only take three people at a time, which is really a challenge when you have five children. Mm-hmm. So um, normally I take them out in, in little groups. I take two or three at a time and um, we go do things that way. The food, what's the food like? Do your children like the food? Oh, the food is fabulous. And, um, it's Mediterranean. And um, they have been growing up eating Moroccan food. My husband was actually a chef when I married him, which is probably a large part of the reason why I married him. He's Moroccan. Mm-hmm. And so um, they they are used to the food. And it's been more, I'm really thankful my in-laws um, getting used to my food and my cooking um, because I, I cook a pretty international fair and um thankfully they they really enjoy it and because um Morocco has such a a blend of different cultures coming through and different foods and stuff so um they're very adaptable to new foods which I'm really thankful for so you actually live in the city of Casablanca Mm -hmm. yeah it's very urban Mm -hmm. uh there's a a four-lane road outside our house um and uh the area we were living prior to this called the marif and um it really reminds me of the village in manhattan and um actually the sounds of the buses going by it's you know a lot of times it sounds like home it sounds like san francisco to me it's um except that you know i don't understand what anybody's saying but other than that it's it's very urban and it feels you know very home to me so um, homeschooling, you're, you actually, what, what does a typical day look like? Because you're actually homeschooling your 12-year-old, your 9-year-old, your 7-year-old, probably a little bit of the 4-year-old. So tell me how that works. A typical day, for example. Well, um, we, we're still adjusting to that. So at this time, what the typical day looks like is we get up and we have breakfast, which is pretty much the same thing every day. It's a, it's a spread of different breads and olive oil and cheeses and um, coffee and uh, hot. We do some chores. And then um, if I'm not cooking lunch, which is the main meal of the day, my sister-in-law and I trade and my husband trades now. Um, if I'm not cooking lunch, then we go into projects. So whatever the kids are working on, um, I long, I help them gather supplies. Um, I encourage them. If I am in the kitchen cooking, then one of them comes with me. I, um, my two older boys rotate cooking with me. And uh, usually one of the younger ones will come in too. So I set up a separate table and uh, we cook lunch and dinner at the same time. Then we have lunch. And then after lunch, um, it's, it's siesta time around here. I don't even know what they call it, but um, a lot of people take naps in Morocco mm-hmm. after lunch. So it's quiet time, <laughs> which is not my children. My American children have not fully adjusted to quiet time after lunch. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the kids generally do computer work at that time, or they try to do something quiet, but usually they, they get pretty active because they've just eaten. Mm-hmm. And then uh, it's dinner time. And then uh, a little more, usually drawing. We do a lot of drawing after dinner. And then bedtime. 
And then um, on some days we go out. Um, I've taken a few times. I will just take a couple out to go look for supplies. Um, finding drawing paper was quite an adventure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, going to get stuff laminated because they, um, they're making all these games and stuff. And so we got a bunch of stuff laminated. And um, that's it's, it's just funny because those are just typical errands, but they always become an adventure for them. Yeah. Um, the kids are always quickly identified as not being Moroccan. Mm-hmm. And um, so they get a lot of attention for that, which... Um, which I struggle with. I don't really like for them to get that attention because they are kind of becoming big headed about it. Mm-hmm. But, um, but it's, you know, it's fun just going to run to the store to pick up some glue or whatever is fun for them. <laughs> so, so what is the main language there? Does anybody speak English? Is it French? What, what do they speak? Um, the official language is Arabic and then there's a pidgin dialect, Dirija. Um, which everybody speaks. And then in my household, um, they speak Tishelhit, Berber, as the primary language. Mm-hmm. And then everyone learns French in school. Um, and some schools teach English. And then, of course, some people know Spanish. So there's really a lot of languages here. And uh, unfortunately, I, I only took a couple semesters of French, and I'm really horrible. But... Um, People are very generous, and a lot of people speak English, so I, I do find. And the kids are pretty much only speaking English, but they're learning Tishelhi very quickly. Mm-hmm. And um, may actually do some formal instruction for Arabic um, coming up this year, I'm mm-hmm. hoping. Mm-hmm. And, and, yeah, and you'll do that too, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I want to bring somebody to the house, I'm hoping, but... Um, I don't know. So far, we just haven't been able to coordinate anything, which which is another big thing here. Everything just takes a lot longer um, and more. It just takes longer, literally, like time to organize and, and do things. And that's been a big adjustment for me. But um, the kids are way more patient than I am. So, Well, and also, you know, you're you're abroad. You're giving your children an experience that nobody else is having not very many people anyway who, who live here in America. So they're learning different things that are just as important. So, Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's the, that's the beauty of homeschooling. Well, Brooke, um, we've come to the end of our time. I'm so glad that you got on the, on the phone on Skype with me. Isn't it wonderful technology? And um, I've been t- speaking to uh, Brooke Benoit, and she homeschools her family in Morocco. She is an artist, and um, Casablanca, the city she lives in, fuels her love for homeschooling. And um, we talked about how she makes it work with her five children living with her in-laws. Have a wonderful weekend, Brooke, and thank you so much for joining me. And um, good night to you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Vivian. Bye. Good night. All right, so we're going to go on another short break. That was very interesting. I don't know. Gosh, five children living with um, a family and um, amazing, amazing. So uh, join me when I come back. We're going on a break right now, and um, I'll be talking more about the weather. And actually, the sun has peaked out. It looks as though actually the clouds are breaking up. So we'll be back after these messages.
How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. I am not the woman I used to be. I'm free with Minister Diane Jones. Monday nights at 10, 9 central on Toginet. This is your chance, ladies, to hear stories of hope and healing from someone who's been there. Someone who has fought back from the horrors of incest. Minister Diane's innocence was stolen from her in the land of alcoholism and mental illness, which led to her being emotionally, physically, and sexually abused by her parents. Yet in spite of this trauma, she has gone on to become a successful wife, mother, registered nurse, and minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm not the woman I used to be. I'm free is a straight-up show to enlighten you and to lighten your load. Do not let the weight of this world or the things that have happened to you control your life. For more on the show and Diane and her book, The Story of Me, email her directly from her show page here on Toginet. Then, join us for I'm Not the Woman I Used to Be. I'm free with Minister Diane Jones. Monday nights at 10, 9 central on toginet.com. Hey moms, get ready for Living the Dream Mom with Nina Fry. Thursday mornings at 10, 9 a.m. central on toginet.com. Living the Dream Mom is about the true realities of motherhood, the beauty and the rewards of watching your children grow. All these moms have something in common. They put their kids first. It's not about the kids all the time and the diapers and the bottles and the breastfeeding. It's about showcasing the mother in motherhood. Real moms in the real world. You get it? Now that's what the show's about. So every week, let's get together and we'll share these great stories with you guys. And I hope by the end of the show, you'll be saying, you know what? That is my life. Nina gets it. And I can't hardly wait to see what she brings me next week. Don't miss the next Living the Dream Mom. It's real moms in the real world. Thursday mornings at 10, 9 a.m. Central. Living the Dream Mom with Nina Fry on toginet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginet. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. Once a homeschooler, always a homeschooler. As Peter Kowalki, my guest last week, and I agreed, homeschoolers, unschoolers, crunchy or traditional, refer to themselves in the present tense. We are homeschoolers. It's like a club, an exclusive one to which only 3% of the population subscribe. We still belong to the homeschooling movement even after our children need us. Wait a minute, did I just say even after our children need us? When do they ever not need us? I'm convinced that unless we do something drastic, my husband and I will be at the beck and call of our children forever. In the midst of empty nest, my brother is right. Those frantic calls for help are indisputable signs that they need us to be their slaves. When they were little and helpless, we didn't consider the noun slave to describe us. They really couldn't do anything except sleep, eat, poop and cry. They soon had us hooked, and by the time they were toddling and talking and getting themselves dressed and fed without too much mess and not knocking over the milk quite so often, we really didn't know how else to act around them except slavishly. My son, the zookeeper, didn't talk until he was three, and we were commenting on that just the other day when looking at adorable baby photos of him, and he said, I was training you, and I think that's what babies do secretly. They train us. 
In fact, at the zoo, Simon and his fellow keepers train the animals using a target and simple commands to get them to present parts of their body for inspection. The elephants have been trained to lift their feet up for hoof trimming and filing, for example, and the zebra turn around so that a shot can be administered in their flank without having to catch and hold them down. The training is subtle. The animal is oblivious. Food is the motivator, the classic Pavlov response. And our motivator as well-trained parents is, well, I discovered that this week when an ice storm hit and paralyzed northeast Texas. All of a sudden, we went from 70 degrees to sub-zero in less than 24 hours. The ground was still warm, but the sleet and ice was persistent enough to leave a thick layer of treachery on the grass, pavements and roads. This quickly developed into black ice as the day progressed and the temperatures dropped. At 6.30 a.m. that first morning, the phone started ringing. It was Colin College to say classes had been cancelled. Then it was our older daughter to say her work wasn't answering. What should she do? We told her to go back to bed and try again later since two of the school districts had definitely been closed. At 7am, the son who lives with us came in and complained that he had to go to his second job because his boss wanted a perfect attendance record, even though the ambulances were not called in. It was his weekend from the zoo. Groan for Simon. He was back in the house 10 minutes later in our room and we were wide awake again. I can't get my car door open. It's frozen shut, he informed us. Go back to bed, we chorused. At 7.15, the next-door neighbour called to ask if we had water. What? Blurry-eyed hubby got up to flick the tap. We had water. He generously invited them over to take showers. Huh? Fast on the heels of that phone call, our oldest son was on the blur to say he'd started his car to warm it up, responsibly locked the car to prevent theft, and then discovered his remote clicker had let him down so he couldn't get back inside his now warm and toasty car. Could one of his loving parentals please run his spare key over to him so that he could go to work? By now, I'd crept upstairs to let Malia know that she didn't have to wake up since college was closed. Hubby was on his way to Ian's. Time for me to start my day since everyone else seemed to presume I was up and ready to pay attention. The phone rang again. Ian had safely arrived at work. By now it was eight o'clock and I was drinking tea and writing in bed. Then my mother-in-law rang to say she'd been out of power the last three hours and what a good thing it was she'd got up at 4.30 and put on the coffee maker so that at least she'd had a nice hot cup of something to drink to drink and warm her up and I'm thinking, oh, thanks for not calling us at 4.30. Her power's back on now and she was warming, warning me that it was going to get colder as the afternoon progressed and not to let Paris attempt to go to work. Oh, and talking of Paris, she called again to ask if I could pick her up so she didn't have to spend her day at home alone. So farewell, warm and cosy bed. Hello, good fortune to have three of our four children stranded with us at home, crying out for some tender loving care from both parents, not to mention the showering neighbours. Our motivator? Enjoyment of our offspring's company. An opportunity to recapture some of those marvellous homeschooling snow days, which they admitted I let them have off, even though it was, was a moot point, since we never had to venture outside. Paris brought over her box of macaroni and cheese hamburger helper and a tin of biscotti to share. Simon contributed his culinary talents to the chicken tortilla soup I was making, and Malia made endless cups of tea and remarked, we drink a lot, meaning the presence of the overflowing English teapot. I had a fleeting thought amidst all of this elemental-induced standstill. 
I work from home. The snow and I shouldn't interfere with my goals. Fleeting. Of course it did in a roundabout way. It brought my fledglings home to me. And through the subtle training of years gone by, I was powerless to resist. After lunch, I went for a solitary walk. How quickly the tolerance for round-the-clock stimulation fades. It was bitter. A negative nine degrees centigrade. I love centigrade. It's much more realistic sounding. Zero degrees is just that. 32 degrees Fahrenheit sounds too warm. With the chill factor, there were icicles forming on my face. But the walk was exhilarating and blew out any resentment cobwebs I may have been harbouring. At the end of the day, they'd all gone. Malia to her bed to catch up on some Z's. Simon to his brothers to watch a film and Paris to her flat to clean. I watched the encroaching weather from my study window, registered the minor sign on my outdoor temperature display and listened to the recorded message from Colin College announcing further closures for the following day and, as it turned out, the rest of the week. They still need us. They still need us. They still need us, was my well-trained response. Reward enough. Well, one evening during the Christmas break, Malia decided to cook dinner for her boyfriend at our house. I say during the Christmas break. It was kind of like the middle of January, a couple of weeks ago. My nearest and dearest was supposed to be here too, but for some reason he ended up at a meeting far, far away. So I presided over the evening on my own. I was the third wheel, I suppose, except in true homeschool naivety, I stayed as moral support, Malia said. Someone to help keep the conversation going. Malia didn't really want to cook for Trey all by herself. Well, she did, but she wasn't confident enough to do it alone, so her dad made the sauce for the steaks. I roasted the potatoes, and she prepared the asparagus. Trey said he'd grill the steaks at the predetermined time. He and Larry had discussed this and gone over the workings of the gas grill together before he'd had to depart. The flashlight was in hand, and the matches were at the ready. Everything was going well. The music was just right. I'd said all I could say, and the clock stopped. I scrambled to help with the awkward silences. I suggested a puzzle. They both jumped at it. They did too and nearly forgot the stakes. They did another one after dinner and found out a lot about each other's personalities. Malia is a very casual puzzler. She doesn't have to get all the edge pieces out and put together first. Trey does. He was also caught sitting on the final puzzle piece of the sparkly Beauty and Beast one. It had over 100 pieces, okay? They both displayed patience and a great sense of achievement and enjoyed the order and discipline involved in the piecing together. I took a beautiful picture of both of them smiling up from their completed work. Malia has it as her screensaver on her computer. Ah, the evening was a success, perfectly romantic in a family kind of way. This week, with everyone at home for four days, cabin fever has set in. We couldn't even go outside to play in the snow because it wasn't snow. It was hard packed ice until today. In fact, my son from the zoo is out in the back field making an igloo. He's very ambitious. Anyway, my children were complaining about being bored. I said I wasn't bored. My younger said, well, you don't usually go to school or have work. She's right. I'm busily trying to get some writing projects done. My blog rebooted, numerous other self-improvement schemes hatched. And the children are gathering in my study each afternoon to watch the cars crawl by from my window, drink those endless cups of tea and eat Oreos. They mess around with Skype for a while between the three of us and we see the possum next door scrabbling around for grubs in the undergrowth. And all the while I'm looking at my blank computer screen and the pages of notes beside me. I love having them around. 
My children, after all, are hardworking, good young citizens. They know they have to project and protect this image to the world at large. They grew up this way, and it may have put some pressure on them, but it strengthened their social skills and stiffened their upper lips admirably so that they do well in England and at Bridge and Poker. In return for this display of good behaviour, we promised not to reprimand or embarrass them in public when they were young and even today, if they insist. We weren't pushy or obvious or even their parents. We were all individuals with our own roles and personalities, not someone's mom or son or daughter or brother or sister. It worked wonderfully, still does. And I've been known to feel ever so slightly guilty about not sharing my talents, at least not for money. I do share my talents, but usually I'm volunteering or I'm parenting or I'm just plain spousing. But I do get these pangs of guilt every now and again, especially when the two children who live with us arise at pre-dawn and go to work, as they did this morning, into the snow. Then I just close my eyes, snuggle deeper into bed and think, been there, done that for 20 years or more, and then I don't feel so bad. These days I'm so busy I lament along with all my workaholic buddies that there aren't enough hours in the day. And I'm not talking about hours to nap. I don't have time to do that. And I'm not talking about hours to read. I just pick up my book briefly in the morning and again in the evening at bedtime. Nope. I'm busy being available. I have a justifier machine in my brain that reminds me that God calls women and men to live reclusive lives in ministries, monasteries and nunneries. They do nothing but pray and meditate and read good books all day. So why can't I be content with my lot to think and meditate, learn peaceful, relaxing yoga, write and research? I'm available when my daughter wants to rant about her stressful job, which she did on Monday when she got home. And then she rejoiced that she had made three new friends when she went to her lab class after work, had been asked to join a theatre group of students who approached her in the halls and then invited to join a dance company with no audition. One negative experience successfully obliterated by three positives. And I heard it all first because I was there or rather here and available. And it looks as though I have used up another whole hour. So I will bid you farewell this week. I hope it warms up. But the forecast isn't that good, actually. Um, we don't have anything on the calendar this weekend except just to keep warm. And maybe we'll take have a fire, maybe a few good meals at home and a movie. Thanks to my handsome husband, who believes in love at first sight. Our four children, who are the result of that belief, the hardworking staff at Togginet Radio. My guest, Brooke Benoit in Morocco. And you, my faithful listeners, especially Hannah, Tina and the St. John's. And Ali Laprit, host of This Little Parent State Homes, coming up next on Togginet. So don't go away. Have a great weekend and may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord show you his kindness and have mercy on you. May the Lord watch over you and give you peace. Thank you for joining us for The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney on Toginet.